Hey there, dog people of the internet. It's Sarah Streming, the Cog Dog Coach, and this is Cog Dog Radio. Join me as I cover behavior concepts, discuss training ideas, interview experts, and explore my cases, all regarding the dogs we live and play with. Let's go. Hey everyone, today is a podcast first, I think, for me, which is I am going to talk all about a viral meme that has been going around dogdom. It has showed up with um, in favor and as well as in opposition all over my newsfeed. People hate it, people love it, nobody feels neutral about it. It is a big feelings meme going on. And the meme is a picture of Dave Croyer. And it's a quote by Dave Croyer. And Dave is uh, a big dog sport competitor. Primarily, I would know him from, uh, or I recognize him as a competitor in IGP or Schutzund. He has competed in a few other things as well. He's very accomplished. He's very well-respected in his world, world championship level guy. So this is what Dave said. Holding dogs accountable is uncomfortable, but having dogs fail because you won't teach, confront, or correct is unacceptable. And I think you can understand maybe why there's big feelings about this. There's big feelings from one side of the com- of my community anyway, saying, yes, finally, somebody's speaking out about we need to hold dogs accountable for their behavior so that they don't, you know, fail. And there's all sorts of connotations with that word. But I believe that most of them are referencing failure in that maybe they have some kind of behavioral failure. They fail in living in their home. They fail. They wind up in a shelter. They wind up whatever. Lots of different ways there. Or we can think about it in sports too. There's those people saying, yes, we cannot let dogs fail. It's our responsibility. It's we are accountable for teaching, confronting, and correcting. Okay. And then there's a whole other side of dogdom. Um, which I do have to say was the majority of my feed who were upset about this meme, talking about this meme in kind of a, a big feelings. No, we, we don't hold dogs accountable for anything. We are the ones that are accountable for teaching them kind of way. And specifically often discussing the fact that accountability implies some, some sort of moral code implies that dogs know kind of what's right and wrong. And of course they don't, right? Dogs don't know right from wrong. Dogs know reinforcing and punishing. They know safe and dangerous. They know what their distant and close antecedents tell them. They know what their reinforcement history tells them. They know what their punishment history tells them. They don't know what's right and wrong. I'm just going to put a little sidebar in. I think people are the same. I don't think people are actually dictated by morality either, but that's Sarah's sideways thinking coming on in. So let's dig into this meme. Let's see why we have such big feelings about it. Because you know me, I am no stranger to big feelings. I've been talking about big feelings and dogs for a very long time. And what do I like to do with them? I like to embrace and get curious about them. I don't like to push them away. I don't like to get rid of them. I like to ask, why are they here and how can I support them better? So the big feelings we're having about this meme, I am here to provide those, those feelings with some information to potentially soothe those feelings. Let's start as I like to with a dictionary definition of accountability. So this is from Merriam-Webster that says an obligation or willingness to accept responsibility or to account for one's actions. 
Okay, so accountability is an obligation or willingness to accept responsibility or to account for one's actions. So if accountability is all about accepting responsibility, we could kind of rewrite the meme and we could say asking dogs to accept their responsibility is uncomfortable. And so if we say it like that, now we kind of know what we're talking about. What that means then is that we need to know what they're responsible for. And in order to do that, I do think that we need to know what we are responsible for. But I want to address another word that happens in the first sentence in this meme, which is the word uncomfortable. So Dave Corrier says, holding dogs accountable is uncomfortable. And I want to ask why. What's uncomfortable about that? And let's flip it to a human interaction. It's like, let's assume that maybe we all agree that we're not sure if we can hold dogs accountable for anything and say, I'm going to hold a person accountable for something. So I'm going to say, this is your responsibility. I am holding you accountable for it. And when you lapse in your responsibility, I am going to, I'm going to hold you to that. So if you lapse in it, I'm going to show up and I'm going to do what Dave says. I'm going to teach, confront, or correct. But if you do, I'm still watching and maybe I'm here to praise. Maybe I'm here to say thank you. Maybe I'm here to sign your paycheck. If you do hold up your kind of responsibility in that situation, what exactly is uncomfortable about that? So it could be uncomfortable because it's hard to confront the person at all. Maybe you have, maybe you struggle with conflict. I don't know, maybe you're a socialized female in the Western world and you were taught that conflict is bad. So maybe you're just uncomfortable with conflict in general. Maybe you're not, maybe you are fine with conflict. So then is accountability uncomfortable for you then? It's a good question. I don't have an answer to that. I think it's going to vary person to person. But going back to the meme saying holding dogs accountable is uncomfortable. I That really does beg the question of why to me. And so I think we need to get into the, the three words here at the bottom, teach, cor- confront, or correct. So if having dogs fail because you won't teach, confront, or correct is unacceptable, then that's kind of posed as the opposite of holding dogs accountable. Okay. So Uh, Dave is saying holding dogs accountable is uncomfortable, but having dogs fail because you won't teach, confront, or correct is unacceptable. So he's kind of implying that teaching, confronting, and correcting is how we hold them accountable. So let's look at what's uncomfortable about that. Is it uncomfortable to teach the dog what is expected of them? You know, if we can be so bold as to say that they are responsible for certain parts of what we do. And I don't actually disagree with that. My dog is responsible for certain things on the agility course. He's responsible for holding commitment to an obstacle. He's responsible for hitting his contact. He's responsible for finishing the weave poles. He's responsible for keeping the bars up. Yes, I actually agree with all of that. Here's my problem is that I don't think confrontation or correction are how I am going to hold him accountable or responsible. So if I think he's responsible for those things, I think my only job here is that first piece, the teach piece. My job is to teach him 
My job is to teach him how to hold commitment. My job is to teach him how to complete the weave pulls, to hit his contact, to fetch his dumbbell, to come in front. It is my responsibility on the training field, a hundred percent to teach my dog. And if my dog shows up in the competition ring and they don't do the thing that I believe I've taught them to do, this is where perhaps a trainer with a different mindset than me might confront the dog. I don't love that word because I'm not totally sure what that looks like. Might correct the dog. I do know a variety of ways that that could look. And that is what might feel uncomfortable to the, the handler, the person involved. And I would argue that taking all the responsibility for the teaching part here feels more uncomfortable to enough people that the confront and correct piece comes in. So it feels good to us to get to say, hey, no, you did it wrong. It feels better than to say, oh, wow, okay, I did it wrong. I taught you wrong. Because you don't know the stupid game and you don't know these stupid rules. And so if you're doing it a certain way, I did fail to teach you. If you fail, we'll even say, like Dave Croyer says in this meme, then I did fail to teach you. So to me, the teaching is providing them the responsibility. It's not about holding them to a responsibility. It's about providing them a responsibility through my education And let's flip it into behavior because again, you y'all, I expect really high levels of behavior and performance from my dogs. I expect them to stay with me, to stay involved, to take the reinforcers, to respond quickly to cues. I I expect all of this and I work really hard to teach them all of those things. And then if they aren't doing it, I have plenty of dogs to train and they can be put away. And that is a version of me holding them accountable. Is it not? You know, if, if my dog I'm training gets distracted and goes to sniff something or goes to investigate a bird or something, and I just calmly wait for them to return to work, I'm not putting that responsibility on them then, right? I'm just kind of waiting for them to come back to work. And there may be circumstances in which I would do that. But I also think going up to them and putting a cookie on their nose or worse, getting really exciting and slapping my leg and running away with the toy, that's not holding my dog accountable either. That's stepping in and giving them the right answer. So in my training, I do expect them today, Rhea disengaged from um, a rep in agility. It is my fault that she disengaged, but she disengaged nonetheless. And I went to her, took her, put her on her station. She can have a little break. Disengaging does not buy you another rep for me and does not buy more information from me either. It buys, you can have a break on your station. She was fed for staying on her station. Nothing bad happened to her, Um, but you can have a break on your station until you're ready because it is your responsibility to stay engaged in this game. So I think that Dave Croyer, if he were sitting here with me recording this podcast, I think he'd say that he believed that that was me confronting. I went to her, I took her, I put her um, on her station. He might even say that I was correcting. I would disagree with that particular word. That means something more to me than that. But I wouldn't necessarily disagree that I confronted her. So I did. I confronted her and I put her where she belonged. 
But then I went to the drawing board and I went, how am I going to teach better? How am I going to teach her better? And the reason that she disengaged, I mean, I could tell you there was a whole thing, a whole line of things that led us to that spot. And so the next time that I released her off the station, I was a better trainer. She didn't disengage and we were in business. So I think that this isn't either or, but I can say it's a dog's responsibility to do X, Y, Z, but it's my responsibility to prepare them to do X, Y, Z. And if I haven't done that, I have no business holding them to their responsibility. I do like to say that if you expect hundred percent from your dogs, you better also bring hundred percent. And if only, only one of you is bringing hundred percent today, it better be you better be you the trainer. And so while I don't think that Rhea failed today, went, you know, went and looked at a bird in a bush instead of going in a tunnel <laughs> today because of my failure to, because of my lack of confrontation or correction. I don't think that's true. It also, but it also wasn't uncomfortable for me to approach her and pick her up and put her on her station. And the reason it wasn't is because I didn't do anything to her that hurt or scared her. And I knew that I could engage better teaching skills to go into my next repetition. I do think it would be unacceptable for me to allow this full range of behavior and then enter her in agility trial and have her run away and get sniffy in agility trials. I think that's the failure that Dave might agree with is that if I have not taught her, once I release you from the start line, you and I are doing a thing, then I have no business entering her. So this again, circles back to my accountability, not hers, because I fill out the entry form. I'm never going to enter my dog in a trial. If I think there's even a possibility of them checking out from me in a run, I can deal with a whole lot of mistakes and errors in an agility run that I can just take back to the drawing board. That's not one of them. So if I think for one second that the dog is going to leave healing, for instance, in an obedience run, if I think they're going to leave healing, I do not fill out that entry form. And I don't teach them healing with collar corrections. I teach them if they disengage, if they're disengaging and they're not paying attention, they're not getting trained. That's the confrontation, I suppose, but I don't really correct. I do think it's unacceptable to not teach. And it's really unacceptable to hold a dog accountable that you have not taught as well. So this is a, a, just a whole circular babble of mine to say that I think I understand where Dave Corrier is coming from in this meme. I really do. I think I disagree with a couple of words here, but I think that's, that's to be expected when you've got two minds who think about training differently, talking about something that is to be expected. But I think that the idea of holding a dog accountable and that feeling uncomfortable is a dangerous kind of power dynamic to put into people's minds to have people believe I have to hold this dog accountable for X, whatever it is, not biting people, not lunging at other dogs, not checking out an agility. If I put it in your mind that it's, un- it's going to be uncomfortable for you to hold that dog accountable, but you have to, because their failure is due to your lack of not of holding them accountable. That opens the door for people, I think, to be really unfair to dogs. And I think that that's why this meme upset a lot of people is because they don't think like this and they're scared of that power dynamic um, being introduced into people's minds. And I, I don't disagree. I think that's a dangerous dynamic to introduce. So I offer a reframe. I would like my own meme to say 
expectations of behavior are necessary for good training and good training is required for you to get to have expectations. Okay, and a few Patreon questions for you. This one comes from Emma who writes, regarding de decompression walks, is it important to go to many different locations? Is it better to return to one location frequently? Does this not matter at all? I'm a creature of habit and tend to return to the same couple of trails, but I wonder if my dog would benefit from more variety. There's no behavioral problem I'm trying to address or anything. I'm new to having a normal dog without any issues. Emma, congratulations on your normal dog. They're really hard to come by. Here's the thing. You do have to watch behavior to know if what you're doing is working or not. I'm imagining, since it sounds like your dog is fine, that what you're doing is fine. I also tend to frequent the exact same places. The good news is that the world of scent is ever-changing, and so you don't really hit a, the same trail twice. I do find that my dogs run more and move their bodies more in novel places. And so if they're at a bit of an exercise deficit, it might be good for them to get a couple of novel places in. I like to switch it up for them occasionally because it is highly enriching for them to go to new places as long as those places are safe. But in general, if you've got a few really solid decompression spots, you're probably going to keep going back to them because they are not that common. Okay. From Yasmin. How can you teach a dog who has too good of an internal clock to remain asleep in their crate in the morning until the alarm goes off? Fena has been sleeping great in her crate all night until about 30 minutes before the alarm goes off. She starts barking and wants to come up on our bed. We do not appreciate this, especially not on weekends at 4.30 a.m. as you can imagine. Uh, she does not typically need to go out to pee or anything, just wants out of her crate. The barking goes on and on. It gets more intense. She doesn't tend to give up and go back to sleep. Sincerely, Fena's sleep-deprived mother. Oy. Reinforcement drives behavior. She's doing this because eventually you get up. So you kind of need a clever plan to get around this, or you can audition having her sleep out. So the clever plan involves various different alarm clock times and a response a response to her for starting to fuss at 4 30 a.m and different responses might be in order covering the crate picking up the crate putting it in another room taking her out on leash and putting her right back in the crate just like you would a puppy which is not a bad idea but you will not sleep for a while because you will get up and you will do it and you will continue to do it until she shuts up and goes back to sleep. And then you will get up and it will be a long morning and you will need to do it probably several days because of this persisting, it's being reinforced. And the reason it's being reinforced is because you have to get up eventually. So you are actually ruled by your alarm clock. And that is your problem is the fact that Eventually you have to get up and you can't actually make sure that she's doing what you want her to do before you get up. Um, another clever way to do it, which trust me, I hate as much as you hate is to start setting your alarm for four 30 or I'm sorry, four o'clock. So right before she starts fussing ideally and get up and take her out. So you start reinforcing that you run the risk of her starting at three 30 and three o'clock. But like you said, she doesn't want out. She wants in your bed. So that tells me that you are letting her out and letting her get in the bed, which is a problem. But like I said, you could audition letting her sleep out and she may let you sleep longer. Crystal writes, I am wondering if there's a reason to be concerned and if I'm handling the situation the right way. I have a puppy who's almost five months old. Her, her name is Sora. 
She does great with almost all people in almost all situations, but I'm finding that when we are hiking where there are very limited to no people, if a person appears, she tends to bark at them. No charging, just stands back and barks. I've started now. If I see the person first to call her over and treat her, or if she gets a bark in first, I still easily get her attention and start giving her a few treats and she stops barking and easily disengages with that. And after a few treats, they pass by. There's no more barking and happily continues on our hike. We also are in lots of places like patio restaurants and we live in the city and she sees people on the sidewalks all the time, but does not bark. Please let me know if I'm doing things okay and if I should be concerned. So Crystal, I really would need to have my hands on the entire case to tell you if this is okay or not. And I don't have my hands on the entire case. However, it is pretty normal for this age and it's really important for you to avoid it during this age. So what that means is walk in more populated places. The other thing that you can do is have basically rig the system, have friends of yours appear in the woods and have her realize she was stupid because that was her friend that showed up. Um, And if you had that happen more often than a stranger showing up, that would be good. But it's always really important for us to note that if our, if the behavior is persisting, in spite of our interventions or despite our interventions that our interventions are incorrect. Okay. So calling her over and feeding her is not working for you. And you're going to want a different um, intervention. I am inclined to have her, especially since she's not charging, just let her process. Don't interrupt her with food. Let her bark. I happen to know what breed you're talking about and they're barky. So Let her bark, let her stand back and look, let her process. When she decides it's okay to move on, then move on. That would be what I would be inclined to give a try. Best of luck. And that's it for this week. Thanks everybody. Thanks for listening. I hope you'll rate, review, and subscribe wherever you heard this podcast. And don't forget to join Patreon at patreon.com slash cogdogradio. And if you're interested in more content like the stuff you heard here, I hope you'll check out my online courses, my membership, and all of my offerings at my website, sarahstremming.com. See you there.